y'all. Welcome to The Daily Grind with your host, John Spencer. Grab a mug of your favorite brew and get ready to become the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to water cooler chatter, conference room banter, and job side small talk. I'm going to give you the rundown on today's date, share some interesting historical facts, and toss out a few random musings just to get your brain gears turning this morning. Plus, I will offer up some thoughts to ponder on your walk with Jesus. So let's get this show on the road. It's Tuesday, June 6th. This is that part of the Daily Grind where it's time to brew your brain. In history on June 6th, in 1933, America's first drive-in movie theater opened near Camden, New Jersey. In 1942, the United States Navy won a major victory over the Imperial Japanese Navy at the Battle of Midway. On June 6, 1944, D-Day, the Normandy landings. And in 1983, Reading Rainbow premiered on PBS. Now, June 6th is Applesauce Cake Day and, appropriately, Drive-In Movie Day. Now's that segment on the Daily Grind where it's time to sharpen your wit. You know, if everybody on earth were to compete in a single elimination rock, paper, scissors tournament, the winner would only have won 33 times in a row. One of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Great Pyramids of Giza, now El Giza in Egypt, they were constructed about 2,560 to 2,490 BCE. Now, when you think about it, that means that Cleopatra, who lived about 69 BCE, lived closer to the release of the first iPhone than she did to the building of the pyramids in Giza. In case you didn't know it, the speed of time is exactly one second per second. Some pains are physical and some pains are mental. But the one that's both is dental. When you really think about it, most sports are just evolved versions of fetch. Thanks again for joining me on the Daily Grind. Uh, those of you that have decided to come and try one more day, uh, I appreciate you being with me. Um, in Hebrews chapter 7, we encounter the fact that Jesus is praying for us. 
chapter seven talks about who you know Melchizedek was and how Jesus is a priest, kind of like Melchizedek, and and then down at the end it gets to in verses twenty two to the end, uh, and I'm going to read just part of those. The author of Hebrews says this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. If y'all listening are followers of Jesus, then you can rest assured that Jesus right now is praying for you. I don't know when the last time you might have stopped to think about the fact that Jesus is praying for us. I don't think that we give that significant truth the attention that it rightly deserves. I mean, it's overwhelming to think about. The risen Jesus, the one who's been given all authority in heaven, on earth, is pleading with the Father on your behalf. And not just that, he's pleading based on his very own person and work. The very life of the risen Christ is a plea for us. And if we're united with him, then his ongoing life at the right hand of the Father is a form of intercession. Now, now I cannot explain completely how he presents each of our specific cases to the Father. But I can tell you, because of our union with him, he always takes our place before the Father. And when we recall this truth, how can it not do anything but just fill us with tremendous confidence and hope? You know, I have been thinking about this truth that Jesus is interceding for me. And one of the things I can't help but think is to go, I wonder how different my prayers for me are from Jesus's prayer for me. I mean, I wonder about the things that I pray about that I think are most important that I'm asking God to do something about. And I wonder, man, how far is the gap between that and the things that Jesus is praying for me before the Father? And I wonder how different the things I want to pray about the church and others are from from Jesus's intercessions. And I, I hope as I grow and mature that that those two prayers, mine and Jesus's, mine begin to line up more with his. I, I hope as I spend time in his word and with him and in prayer that over time, my heart begins to beat with the heart of God. and I can have his love and his compassion and, and his concern for the kingdom more than, you know, my needs. And my prayers become more than just petitions. I mean, they cover the whole gamut. Um, but this morning, I'd like it if we could just step back and unpack a few things out of this verse. 
because uh, in its context, I think we see that, boy, there is a unique nature of how Christ's intercession works. And then we'll talk a little bit about how the this part of Hebrews explains the foundation or talks about the foundation of this intercession and what it means for us. So he saves us to the uttermost. I mean, to see God's, uh, to see the glory of Christ's intercession, we first really need to do some thinking. We need to do some cogitating on the, what the author is writing in Hebrews 7, 23, all the way to the end of the chapter. In verses 23 and in verses 28 of Hebrews 7, he's basically making the same point. Because both of those verses are just a contrast between the priesthood of people under the old covenant law and the priestly ministry of Jesus in the new covenant. And then those verses in the middle, 23 to 27, the author explains how superior Christ and his priestly office uh, are and that the result of his priestly work um, is the main thing. You know, in short, he intercedes for us and that's why he is able to save us to the uttermost. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I am... I don't use the word uttermost in my everyday language. Um, the word that the ESV translates as to the uttermost is pantales. And it can really have two different meanings. It could mean something like completely, or it could mean always. Both translations fit the context. Because Jesus' intercession is both complete so that we can have confidence that he'll finish his work in us and ongoing. So we can have confidence that he'll never forsake us. He saves us completely and forever to the uttermost. But as we continue to follow where the author's going in Hebrews 7, uh, we got to pay attention to the last part of verse 25 because it's right here that he gives us the reason why we can confidently trust that Jesus is going to save his people in every way. It says that he, talking about Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. That them is us. I mean, you could you could hear the truth right now that Jesus always lives to make intercession for you. I mean, just take a minute to let that sink in. We can rest assured that Jesus, our Savior, is continuously praying on our behalf. Let me just pray for us. Lord, shower us with your grace so that we may always just be willing to respond to our Savior's call and 
in so doing, we would be ready to spread the good news of Jesus and his salvation, sir, to every soul. And just may every person on this entire globe witness the splendor of Jesus's wondrous deeds. And we just acknowledge the fact that our Lord and Savior Jesus and you, Father, and the Holy Spirit as one true God reign supreme now and forevermore. Amen. Thanks for joining me again for day two. I hope that you will listen in uh, tomorrow for episode three of the Daily Grind. And in moments today, pause and just try to have some awareness of the fact that the risen Lord Jesus lives forever and is making intercession for you. Jesus is praying for you. Have a great Tuesday.